Today on Locked on Horn Frogs, is this a deeper running back room than we might be giving the Frogs credit for? Do they have a bunch of dudes in here that could contribute? We'll also talk about Brion Ramsey-Brooks, one of the most interesting players in this incoming freshman class, the 2023 class. All that and more coming up next. It's Locked on Horn Frogs. You are Locked on Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's right, Locked On Horn Frogs, your team every day. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're approaching 750 subscribers, which is cool. I'd love to get to 800 before football season starts in that season opener against Colorado. Also, you can find us wherever it is. If you like listening to podcasts the old-fashioned way, how they're intended to be, just audio, then you can do that as well wherever it is that you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. We're talking running backs today. So TCU is replacing two really productive players, Kendra Miller and Amari DiMercato, who were great backs for them last season. Kendra's now with New Orleans Saints. Might get some more uh, play than we expected, especially early in the season with Alvin Kamara being sidelined with a three-game suspension. I believe it's three games that he got suspended for. And then Amani, uh, excuse me, Amari DiMercato um, with the Arizona Cardinals in training camp and their preseason schedule will get underway soon. Hopefully Amari gets plenty of opportunities to showcase what he can do. So with all that being said, you're losing pretty much all of your production from last year's team. And I think I've personally gotten really caught up in what Trey Sanders could potentially bring to the table, the transfer from Alabama. Really highly talented player, highly touted player coming out of the high school, five-star from IMG Academy, goes to Bama, has a terrible car accident. And honestly, and he says this, he's lucky to be alive, sustained some really difficult and gruesome injuries they had to work back from. Amazingly, not only survived, but is really thriving Played some at Alabama with someone who had some production there as a running back. Decides he wants a bigger role. Transfers over to TCU. And it's a fantastic story. Uh, He's someone that comes in with a lot of hype around him. And so I feel like Trey Sanders is going to be a major part of this offense. At least that's hope. However, he is still working his way back from these injuries. And although the coaching staff says it feels like he's getting better and better each day, I think they're going to be pretty smart about Trey Sanders and how much they use him. And last season, I think I might be underselling what Imani Bailey can do. Last season, Imani Bailey was really good in the chances he had. Now, I always have to add the caveat. Most of the opportunities were in what we call garbage time, right? Games in hand, defense is tired. Maybe there's some different personnel out there. One thing he did show, though, that is – very transferable. This guy has great speed and great burst. If he finds an opening, he is able to really turn on the jets and run. He looked like he looked like he was shot out of a cannon last year at times in a way from a speed perspective that I think even Miller and DiMercato couldn't really match. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but he just looked different when he got out in the open field and he was really able to let loose and run. Um, now, the stats themselves, not eye-popping, 31 carries for 250 yards, but eight yards a carry, which is really good. Uh, the previous season at Louisiana in 2021, 102 carries, 642 yards, a little over six yards a carry, and eight touchdowns. So that ability to find the end zone is a big deal. I think one thing about the running backs that we won't know until the season starts is a big part of this will also be 
who can you know find a way to be good in pass protection because that was something that both backs were good at last season. Miller and Di Mercado, they were able to pick up blitzes. They understood their responsibilities. Um, and they would catch the ball in the backfield occasionally. It wasn't a huge part of their game. Miller was really great on screen passes, breaking tackles, being able to pick apart the defense, finding where he needed to go. Sanders and Bailey are two very different backs, at least from what I have seen. In the spring game, which granted limited carries, Sanders seemed really good at being patient, running you know, across the line of scrimmage, waiting, 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 finding a place to run, finding an opening, and then being able to get tough yardage um, and grind out, you know, four to six yards uh, a carry, which is really significant. And then, of course, Bailey is more of your home run threat. And then they also have some other players who I think they could use in the spot. Corey Wren actually spoke to the media today after practice. And Corey, if, if you forgot his story, transferred from Florida State, came in this past offseason, um, was a special teams ace for them, somebody that returned kicks, played a little bit last year, but was sidelined for the majority of the season because of injury. But this was an explosive athlete coming out of high school. He showed some of that at Florida State, just wasn't able to break through on the offense and be much of a factor there. Now he's got another year under his belt. Hopefully he's healthier. Um, I'm not sure exactly what role they're going to use him in, if it's if it'll be strictly out of the backfield, if they'll put him at that slot receiver position at times. Even though that's a pretty full group with JoJo Earl and John Paul Richardson and Major Everhart and others. Um but I think the question with the running back is you also have Cam Cook, the true freshman from Stony Point. And so you have a lot of you have a lot of parts here. You have Trent Battle, who was someone that caught the ball in the backfield for them at times last season. They would use him in two back sets. Um, and so is this a a running back room that just kind of has a lot of dudes? Is someone going to emerge, or is this a deeper team at that position? Or is this team, I should say, deeper at this position than maybe we're leading on? Um, and I think with running back, we talked about this before, it's going to be something that we don't really figure out until we see them get hit. Who is good at finding extra yardage? Who is good at contact balance? Maintaining the ability to stay upright when they get hit. Bouncing off tackles, using a stiff arm to get three or four extra yards on a given play. That's going to be part of this. And similar to the wide receiver room, I mean, the, the skill positions at TCU this year, you're banking a lot more on projection than you are production. But on the surface, it feels and seems like you have a lot of different players that can get it done and get it done in different ways. And so maybe it's maybe this season is not um, – a year where you have a true solo back. And I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't say that was last year either because they had so much production from their number two back in Dean Mercado, but Kendra Miller, when he was healthy and when he was full go was clearly the dude. I'm not sure when and if we'll see someone emerge in that role. I think the team would be better if there was a true alpha at that position, but maybe this is a season where you know, you see some different variations in the run game and different guys asked to do different things. If Kendall Bryles runs some of the similar concepts as he did to Arkansas, which was a lot of power run game, you know, having a fullback or an H-back kind of in an offset eye formation in the gun, um, I think Sanders would fit that. Just thinking out loud, Sanders would seem to fit that um, better from a, you know, 
uh, body type, ability to get tough yards, that type of thing. But I think Bailey's a special talent. I think Wren's someone they could get some production out of, battle, Cam Cook. There are options here. I don't know, like, how it's all going to shake out once the game starts. But they have different players that they can call upon during the season to make this work. And that's going to be a huge deal as we transition into the year. You have some moving parts and some things that are adjusting on the offensive line as well. Um, and, you know, they, they were able to run behind that big interior offensive line last year really at will. And that was a huge part of what they did. And sometimes you'd see the offense get in a rut or get stagnant, and that was what they fell back to. You know, even in that Kansas State game, when they were making that furious comeback, and Oklahoma State, same thing. They, they never fully abandoned the run game. They, they still found ways to get Miller and DiMercato involved. Sonny Dykes has talked about how he has learned through the years the importance of having a more balanced offense, having the ability to run when you need to, not just from a, a complementary football perspective, but also that, that ability to impose your will on teams and just physically dominate people. That is a huge deal in the game of football. There's nothing that breaks the spirit of a defense more than when they know you're going to run the football and you're doing it you know, on their watch, and you're just pushing them back and finding ways to create yardage and create opportunities for your running backs. And so uh, this is a running back room that has options, and we'll have to see what all that looks like when the actual uh, games get underway. We'll, we'll keep talking about the run game to a certain extent. The offensive line and one player who has caught the attention of the Internet, uh, and I guess it's technically my fault, Breon Ramsey-Brooks, uh, next here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. I do want to talk about one of our great sponsors here, though, and you'll see uh, their website down on the screen, FanDuel Sportsbook. You can go to FanDuel.com slash Lockdown. They have a really cool promotion going on right now. Who do you think is going to win the Super Bowl? You can get that answer in your head right this minute. I know a lot of you are NFL fans as well. Let's say, for instance, you think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl. I would suggest maybe you seek medical attention. But if that is a real thought that you have in your head, I'm a, a suffering Cowboys fan. I started following them in the 97 season, okay, so like the worst time to pick up Cowboys fandom. But I do like Micah Parsons. I like this defense. If you're someone who thinks, yeah, Cowboys are going to win it all, you can pick a Super Bowl champion right now. Go to FanDuel.com slash on, pick a Super Bowl champion, and you'll get rewards every time they win in the regular season. So if you think the Cowboys are going to win it all, every time the Cowboys get a victory, you can get bonus bets. Get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season when you bet on a Super Bowl winner. You can use those bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more bonus bets. Yeah, I mean, go spend a little money on a Super Bowl bet and then reap the benefits all season long. Go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. They are a proud sponsor of the LockedOn Network. One more note from fall camp, and then we'll get to uh, something that happened a couple days ago that's really funny, and it relates to uh, true freshman lineman Breon Ramsey-Brooks. But Michael Nichols uh, also spoke to the media a couple days ago. I talked about Corey Wren and him speaking with the media today after practice. I'm recording this on Wednesday evening. Michael Nichols a couple days ago spoke with the media, and he's been working at that uh, one of those tackle positions with the ones and the twos. You know, Nichols was someone that played in the first five games for the Frogs last year, played a career-high 43 snaps against Oklahoma and their 55-24 to win over the Sooners. Um, 
But if he plays tackle, if he's able to get one of those starting tackle positions, that potentially allows them to move Brandon Coleman inside of that guard spot. And that'd be a big interior offensive line if you're talking about Willis Patrick, Colton Deary, and then maybe Brandon Coleman. Now, a wrinkle to this, too, is John Lands, who's currently dealing with an injury. He should be back, Sonny Dyke said, by the end of the week, which would be, you know, I guess here in a couple days. Um, So we'll see where he fits in the mix, but it seems like the Frogs have some options and Nichols kind of gives them some more variety and different lineups they can throw out there when the season starts as he uh, tries to work his way back um, from an injury last season that kept him out for the majority of the season. Okay, so a few days ago, I was uh, on the Go Frogs website and I was looking at the football roster. And I was looking at the football roster because I was trying to get more information on Chance Nolan. I was just trying to see Chance Nolan left the program earlier this week, and I was trying to see if he was officially off the roster on the website um, because that's typically the first place that they'll sort of update things, and you can kind of get a sense for where they're at. But while I was looking at the roster, um, it it stood out to me, you know, Breon Ramsey-Brooks, true freshman offensive lineman from South Oak Cliff in this incoming freshman class. He's listed at 6'5 and 455 pounds. That is a large person. And my friend Jeff Craig pointed out to me um, when I talked about this the other day, he said, well, the reason that you noticed that, the reason that you noticed um, that his size and what he's listed as because they've updated heights and weights on the website. And so coming out of the summer conditioning program, coming out of the offseason, TCU football has updated the height and weight of different players on the roster, which is a cool thing if you want to go look at that and kind of get a frame of reference from where they're at. Um, but I tweeted uh, Breon's measurements out there because obviously that's just a, a big person. And if you saw him at South Oak, out Oak Cliff, excuse me, um, you know that he's a big guy. I mean, he, his nickname is Big Bubba. He's a huge player. Um, and you knew that that was a project coming in. And so – He was listed at 380 in high school. I can't imagine that he's put on 70 pounds since he got on campus. My guess is that I don't know what they weighed him at when he got there, but he was he was probably over 380, right? And so I'm not sure if they've been working on him to cut weight, if they've been working on him to put on weight, but that's where he's at right now. And they knew coming into this what the situation was. I had somebody on YouTube in the YouTube comments, um, Jerry. He asked me your thoughts on Ramsey Brooks. He's over 400 pounds. Well, a couple different things here. One is a person with that size, super intimidating, right? That's that's kind of step number one. I mean, he's just a big dude. Um, and if you watch him through the recruiting process, you know, some of those different camps that he would go to, he would dominate in those one-on-ones. Now, those camps, I think they can be a little misleading. Nobody's wearing pads. It's really it, – it's tough to get a true feel for who these offensive line, defensive linemen are if they're not going full contact, but he is, he's a big guy and he was able to, especially in some of those pass pro situations, just level guys. Um, This is not just a, an immobile person though. Like I think when you watch Brooks play and you watch him in high school, he's got pretty good feet. Another thing I like about him is he's got a nasty streak. Offensive linemen have to be made like it's a physical position and you Offensive line more than anybody, they love to – the best ones, they love to finish people. 
I mean, they're not just going to block you. They're going to drive you off the ball. They're not just going to drive you off the ball. They're going to try to pick you up and put you on the back of your head, right? Like it's a position that lends itself to people who are intense and physical and want to get the job done and make you feel bad about how they got the job done. And Brooks has a mean streak. He is not afraid of contact. He likes to level people. He likes to make sure people know that he put them in the ground. And that's a great thing. I love his mentality. He's a fun-loving person off the field. He's got a great personality. But when you watch him between the lines, this is a guy that is not afraid to hit people. It seems like he's got good hands and has a lot of power in his hands. He's going to hit you if he gets his hands on you. It's going to be really hard for you to break free because of the strength. Now, there's going to be a process here. Um, I think he moves well for someone at his size. I'm not sure he's ready to step. You know, I don't think he's ready to step into a power five football game yet and handle those responsibilities. He's obviously never going to be someone that plays on the outside. We talked yesterday with Brian Smith about the difference between tackles and guards. He's not somebody that you want setting their feet, trying to kick back with that back leg against edge rushers who are really fast. I feel like those, those types of players – would give him a lot of trouble. You want him on the interior, um, which is where he'll be. And one thing about O-linemen, and we discussed this with Brian Smith uh, the other day as well, it's really a numbers game. Um, it, it's hard to get a feel for what type of player offensive linemen are going to be until they get on campus. So much of it is, you know, between the years, they understand their responsibilities. Can they work cohesively with four other players? Um, are they going to buy into refining their technique? And so those are all going to be things with the Brooks. And then I don't know what the plan is, you know, to get his physical shape to a place where they are comfortable getting him on the field for extended snaps, because I would imagine conditioning is, is tough for him right now. But I trust Kaz Kazadi. I think they knew they knew what was happening going in. They knew that this was going to be tough. They knew that this is a guy – had a lot of work to do, um, but I think there's a ton of potential with his mentality, with his ability to move, and with that frame, if they can get him slimmed down some and at a better playing weight and, you know, from a, a game conditioning standpoint at a place where he can play a, a normal and consistent snap count, then this I think this guy could be really good. I mean, I, I do feel that way. And I don't know how long it's going to take to get there. It could be a couple of years. But, again, as we said, O-line play is, is so much about development. It's about bringing guys in and being able, you know, to find what they're good at and refine their skills. And so I think TCU is set up to to do that with Brooks. And um, you know, I would love to see him catch a, a, a touchdown pass, right? I'd love to see them line him up a tight end occasionally or carry the ball to goal line. I have no idea if that's in the cards. That's not something they're thinking about right now. They just want to find a way to get him to a place where he can play football at a high level for them at the position he's in. But um, I think there's a, a ton of ability uh, and a ton of potential with Breon Ramsey Brooks. And um, I think Big Bubba could be a huge player for them. And, you know, I part of this is I tweeted out his size and it, sort of went viral. It got a life of its own and it's been a lot of different places. And in typical fashion, people on the internet are, are not always nice. Right. And they're mean. There's a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about. That's yelling and screaming at nobody in particular 
about his health and his future and all these things. He's in good hands at TCU. And I think they care about him and they want him to succeed. And uh, yeah, I feel like he's going to be a good player for TCU football, but it's going to take time. He's not someone that you're going to, I don't expect to see him on the field this season. Um, And it's going to be a process to get him where he needs to be. But I think TCU is really well equipped to uh, get him to a place where he can be a contributor for this football program. We'll wrap things up when we come back. SMU, they're still trying to get into Power 5. I guess maybe we should call it Power 4 football with the Pac-12 still not being able to figure out what they want to do next. We'll discuss that more next here on Locked on Horn Frogs. I love talking about bird dogs because I wear bird dogs and they are comfortable. They sent me uh, a pair of pants and a pair of shorts that I absolutely love. I've been wearing them the past few days. And, you know, one thing I love about bird dogs, they make you look good. Um, they fit really well. They fit comfortably. They give you a sculpted look. Uh, and they fit way better than regular shorts. It takes a little time for them to break in and feel comfortable. But once they do, you won't really want to wear anything else. They feel great and they're versatile. You know, they, they're obviously casual wear. But, you know, I wore the pants I got to work the other day and um, didn't really stand out at all. I mean, they look like you know, good dress pants, even though they're super comfortable, which is what you want. Bird Dogs, uh, they have a, a hat right now that you can get. If you go to birddogs.com slash college and enter the promo code LockedOnCollege, you can get a free white tech hat with your purchase. Again, birddogs.com slash college, which you see on the screen, and then enter that promo code LockedOnCollege, and you can get a free white tech hat with your purchase. Bird Dogs, proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. So with realignment going on right now, the Big 12 has made everyone uneasy by adding all these teams, adding these four corner schools. Utah, Colorado, Arizona, and Arizona State will all be joining the Big 12 in 2024. And the ACC is now scrambling. The ACC signed this really long TV deal with ESPN that goes through 2036. Apparently the grant of rights, there's no real way out of it. Lawyers have been looking for these different schools for a month said, okay, is there a loophole here in this plan somewhere that we can exploit? And if somebody's found it so far, they haven't been able to to make that exit yet. Florida State has basically been begging in public in board meetings saying, hey, we need to get out of here. We need to find a way out of here. We need to find a way out of this grant rights agreement so we can move on somewhere else. And so while all this is going on, the ACC, like, pretty much every other conference in America is also exploring expansion. And the Pac-12 at the moment is the Pac-4. They're down to Cal, Stanford, Wazoo, and Oregon State. Starting next season, this season will be normal Pac-12 play. But starting next season, you only got four teams committed at the moment. Cal, Stanford, and then Washington State and Oregon State. What are these schools going to do, right? There's a lot at stake here. The ACC has been exploring bringing in Stanford and Cal. They've been talking about this now for the past week. Two really good academic institutions. Two institutions that it seems like they're not really ready and committed to embrace the new world of college football with NIL, with the transfer portal. There's some hurdles with their academic requirements that make it difficult for them to really fully embrace the new world of college football. Well, Pete Thamel... Uh, says ACC presidents met tonight in the pursuit of Stanford and Cal for conference membership has hit significant roadblocks. 
but always been there had always been long odds because there was never a significant value add. I I say all this to tell you this within this plan with Stanford and Cal, there was also discussions that SMU could possibly join the ACC. There would be a third team that the ACC could bring into the fold. SMU went as far as to basically tell the ACC, we would come for free. We don't need your TV money right away. We'll come in. We have we have donors. We have backers. We'll come in. We just want to be part of the Power Four, the Power Five, so desperately. We'll come in basically at no cost to you, just to be part of, you know, the automatic qualifier for the college football playoff, and in a place where <clears throat> we can eventually get revenue from these big contracts. Pete Thamble also said SMU has also been bandied about along with Cal Stanford, but those conversations aren't headed anywhere either. SMU has made it very publicly known that they wanted to join the Pac-12. They, along with San Diego State, were trying to do it. That didn't work out. They're now getting rejected by the ACC. I have been on the record in the past few years, if you listen to the podcast, it's one of my unpopular opinions. I actually think the SMU rivalry is good. I think it's just a good historical rivalry. Now, people have made the good point. There's really no reason for TCU to switch home and home games every year. So, you know, one year it's in Fort Worth, the next year it's in Dallas. There's no reason for TCU to be going to Dallas every other year at this point, given how much far ahead they are from a facility standpoint and all those things. But I still think it's just a good historical rivalry to have on the schedule. I don't know if it would change anybody's mind if they were officially a Power 5 school. You can, you know, hit me up here in the YouTube comments or tweet at me at some Cox Steven. Would it change your mind if SMU was in the ACC? Would you feel better about this matchup? Because I understand the argument. Like, I get it. TCU fans are like, there's no benefit for TCU to be playing this game. If they lose, it's a horrible loss. It's a bad loss on your resume. You're going to, you know, get talked about all across the nation the next day. If they win, it's just, okay, you took care of business against a team you should beat in these games for the most part, pretty much always a dogfight. Of course, Sonny Dykes beat the Frogs twice when he was there in Dallas at SMU. But I think it's a good historical rivalry that TCU needs to keep some – that TCU needs to keep in some form or fashion, even if it's not being played every year. The Ponies got bigger problems right now. They are trying so hard to find a way to get into, you know, the Power Five world, and they just can't do it as the ACC has apparently rejected them as well. We'll close up the week tomorrow here on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Thank you for listening. It's your team every day.